Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is episode 44 of More Than a Word. I'm joined this week by guest Lisa Cordes. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. The word we're going to be talking about is philanthropy, Lisa. So before we get into that whole conversation, can you take a minute to just kind of tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do to get going? I will. So I'm currently president and CEO of the United Way of Central Ohio. And I've been in this role for two years. And prior to this, I spent 14 years at our community foundation, and prior to that, had a career as a nonprofit leader, primarily in Columbus, Ohio, but some in Washington, D.C. So I've been working in the field of philanthropy for a long time. Well, that is great to hear. I always like to like to know that the word is actually relevant to the conversation. <laughs> that kind of is what this whole thing hinges on, so that's good to hear. So let's hear then, jumping right into it, what does philanthropy mean to you? So the, you know, the actual definition of philanthropy is uh, the care and love of people and of humanitarian needs and community. Somehow, and I think I should know this, but I don't, because I'm a student of philanthropy, but it evolved to mean, in our, in our country, it has come to mean money, gifts given to support causes for humanitarian causes and for people and for needs in our community. But originally the definition was care for others. Mm. So with that in mind then, in in this present day, do you think money is, do you personally think money is a crucial part to this conversation? Like without money, can you still be philanthropic, I guess is what I'm getting at. The way we define it you can be philanthropic, what we call in-kind gifts. Mm. So you can be philanthropic. I'm just going to stick pure with how our culture works right now, sure. right? You can be philanthropic because you're at Kroger's and you have lots of extra beans left over, and you want to make certain that those beans don't go to waste, so you give those beans to a food pantry. That's very philanthropic, so you've given of your goods. So really, we use the term uh, in our field, in the field of philanthropy, as meaning in-kind gifts or actual money gifts. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious then where you mentioned how it was in the in its current or its uh, initial form, right? Where it wasn't just about money and how it is now. Where did that kind of transition happen, do you believe, where it became really about all about money? So I would guess, I don't know if this is true, but I'd like to believe that I have some good insights. <laughs> um, that our country incentivizes giving through tax rewards, mm. different than other countries, unlike any other country. We're, we're a leader in that space. So I, we are very philanthropic, I think, because we are incentivized. If we give, we get actually something back in our taxes. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you, what, how do you feel about that? Well, I, I definitely am seeing that evolve. Um, when you think about how rich our country is in so many ways because of philanthropy and how uh, so many other, especially third world countries, don't have the richness and the resources that we have, uh, it, it, you want to celebrate the fact that we have these tax incentives to give and help others. But I've, I've noticed that uh, there's, new, it, there's new philanthropy and it is not necessarily driven by tax incentives, but it's driven by impact that big philanthropists want to make. 
which is different than the typical philanthropist who, let's say, can give $1,000 a year. We want to consider that a philanthropist. <clears throat> Probably at the turn of the last century, we thought a philanthropist was Rockefeller or Carnegie. But now we consider all types of people that give philanthropists. Anyone can be a philanthropist, especially if you think about United Way of Central Ohio, the United Way movement giving through payroll deduction allowed you to give $5,000 because it was taken out of your pay over the 26 pay periods over a year, which allowed you to give $5,000, whereas you might not have been able to write that from um, your checkbook, okay. right? Because you didn't have that in your savings, right. right? I'm interested then also on top of what we were just talking about, how do you, how for those that aren't familiar, how does United Way play a massive role in the conversation of philanthropy for you for you personally in the city of Columbus, Ohio, but then maybe the larger organization um, around the country as well? So, and I I want to I want to not forget by the time we finish this conversation, I have a joke about philanthropy that I want. It's a story. I can't wait. That has something that's somewhat funny. Perfect. Because <laughs> it's not, there's not a lot of jokes about philanthropy because it's not that funny. Right. right. So United Way you. is, <laughs> the United Way of Central Ohio will be 100 years old um, in 2023. And it, the, the national movement is 130 years old. We are the largest independent charity in the world. And... Um, we were at, at the first part of our last century really monopolized philanthropy um, through individuals giving in the workplace through company campaigns and had that monopoly. Then mm-hmm. when the internet came, it really broke that apart and made what we offered was ease of giving that you could trust as an organization that we vetted the the organizations that we then took your dollars and invested in, so you used a third-party expert to then decide where your monies would go to make the greatest impact in the community. Well, when the internet came, uh, the advent of the of the internet, anyone could look up a charity and give. Mm-hmm. So, we got the model became really threatened, and we find um, as we've moved into this century, people don't want to be told where to give. Like, they don't want their company boss, their CEO, telling them where to give. They want choice. They may still choose United Way. And um, that people want, uh, the internet allows immediate um, response. So you feel like, I just gave and I can give quickly and I just got to thank you and it's impact. Uh, Versus this payroll deduction over a year's period of time. It just... As a 100-year-old organization, we were, have not been able to be as nimble as some other organizations uh, that are new, that are startups, and they're very nimble. So what kind of challenges has that presented to you, and then how have you guys kind of worked to get around that into your current form then? So the, 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 the challenges have been significant. It's interesting that we have significant growth in other countries, the United Way does, because we're starting new. And the com- in the countries, if you just think about China, is already digital. So as they develop their United Way, it's digital first. And they have found that they can mobilize people and mobilize resources, um, unlike we could never do here, this United Way, United Way of America. And so what we've had to do is um, be more competitive by 
developing a, a software that would allow us to be more nimble, and that's been hard for this 100-year organization. I'm, I can't even begin to tell you the challenges that it's presented. There are 1,100 United Ways that each um, operate independently, so it's very challenging. So we're not there where we need to be. But in the meantime, we're still we're still leveraging significant resources for community and have commu significant community expertise and are, are still valued in community. But overall, the, the, the returns on the philanthropic model continue to decrease. Yeah, that makes sense. So you guys are dealing then with a lot of obviously people in Columbus, specifically philanthropists in Columbus, right? And you're working with them. So on that local level, then when you're, when you're taking in that money, is the money then also going to local organizations? Is that, yes, it, so it's like a all, pretty much an all local operation It's all here. local, which makes United Way uh, special because it's all, every United Way is local to its community. So our, we're about fighting poverty, increasing economic mobility for all. And you would find another United Way perhaps is all about education or someone's all about home. But it is the human, the, 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 the trend and the thread is that it's always about human services. Gotcha. Yeah, do you find that because of it, it's a very locally focused organization and that you're able to get more done that way than if it were, say, one large national organization that didn't have specific local entities, I guess? I'm on the fence. Okay. Because I... I'm concerned being a big organization that we are, if we don't become more one organization, we won't be able to compete. So an example would be Red Cross used to have chapters all over the country, and over the last 10 years they became one organization. And the efficiencies there are quite remarkable. In the first year, when they finally became one organization, they saved $10 million on uh, on, on having audits done because they only needed one audit for the organization, not thousands of audits done. So our um, culture now demands uh, efficiencies and uh, values things being fast. And I think that happens more quickly when you're one organization. Yeah. Do you think a lot of that relies around clarity like you you all if you're one large organization working on the exact same goals um it just that to me seems like it would make more sense as far as how you communicate things how you get things done would that would you say that's correct yes and so that's where the rub is that there are united ways that say i don't want to join one and i, I just i'm concerned we don't have a choice because we have you know decreasing revenues each year overall the united way does um, so do you make hard decisions now to do that, or do you eventually some of these small ones, and most of them are pretty small, right? We, there's 33 major markets, we're one of those, but most of them serve very small rural communities. Uh, well, eventually it looks like maybe go out of business. Companies aren't coming there in the same way that they may have. Manufacturing's not there anymore. Because you think about philanthropy, and you don't necessarily think about all these other factors, right? There's a lot of other things, and especially in smaller communities, I can imagine where a lot of wealth we know there's, is trending towards urban centers. And I can only imagine what that's like for some of your, you know, partner organizations that are out in, you know, areas that aren't 
aren't experiencing that same sense of growth. That's very interesting to me. Well, another example is, so our largest investor partner is Nationwide Insurance, which, thank goodness, they're in Columbus and they're so generous. Right. right? They, because United Way is one of their pillar uh, philanthropic investments, they cut checks to set over 700 United Ways each year. And everyone does it, every organization does it a little different. Mm. Like, they would really appreciate it if we were one yeah. organization. And I think that that's also interesting to think about the, the givers in this, especially. And they're the ones, you know, in, in part that are making this all work. So that's that's interesting that you bring that up where different givers probably have different, you know, uh, preferences as far as how you guys are set up in your organization. I want to then think about on a larger scale and with philanthropy here for a sec, because we hear now a lot of, you know, large individuals that are, as you mentioned earlier, that they consider themselves philanthropists or the world considers them philanthropists, or a lot of times people expect them to be because they've reached a certain level in their life, right? I know that I've heard you know, Jeff Bezos compared to other people because his philanthropic footprint might not be as big as others who make even less than him. Or So I'm curious, kind of on a, on a surface level without going into too many personal details about different people, do you believe that as wealth increases that there is a philanthropic responsibility in, in your life? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Well, I do, but... You're talking to the choir here, sure, right? Sure, of course. I, I would, I do, because I see the great value it can bring. However, there's never enough philanthropy to solve problems. So it's not about throwing money at something. I once heard Melinda Gates speak at a conference, and the Calif- she was citing the example of the California school system and how public school system now poorly it was doing and so she said people ask her well why doesn't the Gates Foundation take it over she said well the annual budget for the uh, the California public school system is something like 38 billion dollars like we can't do that every we don't have enough money to do that every year yeah <laughs> right so even with small problems or problems in Columbus you can't just throw philanthropy at it. So when you think about solving for challenges in the community, it has to be about leverage and bringing different kinds of resources and partners together. And philanthropy is just one part of the piece. And actually, our nonprofit sector is primarily funded by government. And philanthropy is, I don't mean this in a negative way, but the icing on the cake, right? It doesn't provide typically ongoing support What's great about it is it allows you to be a little, maybe a little more flexible and the regulations aren't as strong as uh, and your R&D money because your regulations aren't as strong as government. Yeah. So basically what you're kind of saying is philanthropy without a sustainable model is not necessarily uh, adequate enough to handle the, the, the ongoing demands of whatever it is that an organization or a group of organizations is working on. I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. I, of, I often think about in these conversations, as, as far as myself goes, but also just other people, that when you're approaching problems and solving them, that you kind of have three things that you could give. That's money, talent, or time. That's kind of how I think of it. So I'm curious, with those three things, let's say someone didn't have 
a lot of money, right? They they just didn't for whatever reason. Is there a way that you can be philanthropic still without giving monetarily? And what would that look like in the eyes of someone who runs an organization that's centered around this work? So I guess I would call there absolutely is a way to be involved, but I don't know if I would call it philanthropic. I would call it a change agent, extraordinary vol, vol, extraordinary volunteer, right? So people's intellectual capital is really helpful. We think about, we work with NYSource, a company in town, that's the parent company of uh, Columbia Gas, and they have taken on as part of their United Way campaign a real focus on the lending community and helping in our revitalization effort there. And so it's one thing to be able to give a, a financial contribution through the United Way campaign, but it's as exciting when someone says, I'm going to sit down weekly or monthly at the table with people in London and be a partner in helping figure out where we put the next food bank or what do we do about this food desert. So that's a way to give. And then, you know, our nonprofit sector is heavily reliant, our whole nonprofit sector in our country, on volunteers. Once again, the common theme is philanthropy only goes so far, right, without right. other pieces. That's what I'm picking up, at least correct me yeah. if I'm wrong when I say that. Absolutely. But. And we're, we're, trying, we're figuring out, too, what are the implications of recent tax uh, changes because the tax incentives with, under the Trump administration have changed. Mm. And I'm hearing from some of my uh, colleagues, especially in the arts, which is more heavily reliant on philanthropy than the human ser- social services, um, that they are seeing a big difference and they're not getting the gifts that they used to get because they're not um, able to get the tax deduction at certain levels anymore. Then with with those individuals that maybe don't have the, the money, means to be philanthropic at all times, the, the people we were just kind of referring to, what would you recommend if they want to get involved and they say, I want to be more you know, philanthropic or more service-oriented? Would it be volunteering? Would that be your advice as to how people could make a change in their daily lives without writing a check? Yes, it would be volunteering. And that's hands-on, so you could be putting those beans on a shelf, or you could join a committee. And I recommend both those um, activities first before making even a bigger commitment like giving money or asking or being asked to join the board because you need to make certain that it's a culture fit for you, that you value the work once you get in it, understand it, that it's for you because uh, we, we depend on volunteers and when you make a commitment, it's really helpful if you can stick with the commitment. So doing your research is important. Right. When you're, when you're dealing with philanthropists of, of any type as you're, from your organizational standpoint, are you often approaching them or are there times when they're approaching you do you know what i mean like how does that ongoing relationship change and continue to kind of morph as you run through your pro go through work through the problems that are at hand and and continue to progress as in our case a city here um how does that on how do you continue to create that relationship or kind of continue to grow it with a philanthropist or an organization or something like that one of the things I'm enjoying the most about United Way is that our average gift is $170, and we have 60,000 donors. So it's like the democratization of philanthropy. Yeah, that's it's great, cool. right? But um, so the typical donor who's giving 170 is not reaching out to us typically about where to give. They're reaching out to us where to volunteer. Mm-hmm. 
But we have certainly have relationships with philanthropists in our community who want to solve a problem and want us to be their thought partner in how to solve it. So it's around developing strategies for them. Then they'll deploy their assets and their philanthropy to solve the problem. But they really want the expertise that we have as a team because we're on the ground helping to solve these problems um, day in and day out for almost 100 years. With that history that you keep mentioning and with all the things that have been done here in Columbus and beyond and around this conversation, I'm curious if you were to kind of finish up here, if you were to give some thoughts about how to make, say, our country a more philanthropic nation as a whole, what do you think needs to happen at any any level? Whatever you th- I know it's a massive question. I want to leave it open on purpose because whatever you think it is a valuable kind of, what are just some things that you believe could really contribute to to a more philanthropic or country as a whole? Well, the return of the tax incentives and even greater tax incentives. Right? That if we could do an even better job showing results from philanthropic investments, I believe we'd have more. But we're dealing with some of the most challenging uh, issues in our community that aren't easy to solve. So if you think about, let's say you've been investing in the Columbus City Schools for 10 years. The schools aren't better. Let's say you've been investing in and supporting, making certain that homeless people have a place to stay every night. We have more homeless people than ever before. And that makes it uniquely challenging to inspire more philanthropy. So new, the new philanthropists, so a Bezos or a Buffett or Gates, is thinking, I'm not going to get all involved in the way you all do it because you're not showing results. And I'm going to create some of my own ideas. And I'm not going to get involved with government because it's too slow and not nimble. I'm going to be a change agent. And we hope that that works. And they're seeing great results in other countries where, frankly, the needs are so great that you can protect people from mosquitoes. And we are developed so much in this country, that, and we have a safety net, that our needs are more complicated than not as basic. That's really interesting. That's a fabulous place to finish up today. Lisa, thank you so much. I didn't much. tell my story. Oh, we got a joke story here. But so. how much time do we have? You can take as much time as you want. Okay. Let's, I'm excited. Okay. I'm going to sit back and hear <laughs> right, this okay. story. So I, I've told this story many times because it's my only story on philanthropy. So <laughs> my husband um, was president of West Virginia Wesleyan College in Buchanan, West Virginia. Okay. And prior to him being president there, Jay Rockefeller, Senator Rockefeller was president. So we got to know him in this relationship of serving the college. And he was also the senator then from West Virginia. And he um, tells this story about how he, he went to camp. He was in the first grade and went to camp for the summer. And his dad came to pick him up. And all the kids were so excited that his dad come, had his, um, John D. Rockefeller, I guess it is, right. came to pick him, him up. All the kids were so excited. Um, and so they all came rushing over to meet him. And they were so excited because all summer long when they asked, what, did your, what does your father do for a living? He told them, and he thought he was saying it correctly, but he told them that his father was a ventriloquist, 
But it, what he meant to say mm. was philanthropist. Yeah. Isn't that cute? Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's my story. I love it. That, now that's a great place to finish <laughs> off. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for your time today, for sharing all your thoughts and, and stories.